Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. What do you suppose the world would look like if there was no law? If people did not live by laws, if they had no law that would govern them, if they had no people who would enforce those laws, if that was the case, then what would our societies look like? Well, it's my personal belief that they wouldn't look very functional, that there would be a lot of dysfunction, that people would not relate to each other in a very loving way, that people would cause harm to one another, that they would do that without boundaries. If there is no law and there is no enforcement of law, then what would keep somebody from murdering someone else or stealing from someone else? What would prevent that from happening? I personally don't believe that there would be civilization at all without some system of law, and we would need people to be put in positions of authority in order to enforce those laws that were established to protect the people of those communities so that they could live their lives, fulfill their personal responsibilities to themselves, and also so that they could take care of those who depend on them. So for this and many other reasons, I certainly believe that we need to have laws and we need to have a government of some kind in order to enforce these laws and that the people who are members of this government, they need to be supported. They need to have the resources that they need to have so that they can take time out of their life ensuring that the people who are a part of the society are fulfilling their responsibilities to the society and that they are living a righteous, holy life and that they are not violating other people. That's what I mean by fulfilling their responsibilities to the society that they're a part of. Now, if there is no government, there is no law, then there is no real civilization. Because if a person is not going to be guided and led internally by the Holy Spirit, if that's not going to be the case, then the only alternative is to be governed by law and by force in order to ensure that they function within the boundaries of those laws that have been established. A simple way of saying this is that a person is going to be governed either by the Bible or the bayonet. But the important thing to see here in this case, in this context, is that the people in the government are there in order to use their authority to ensure that people do not violate other people. They are there to ensure that people are not murdering other people, they're not stealing from other people, things like that. And if they do, then they use their authority in order to stop them from doing that. Unfortunately, in many cases, there are people who are in governments. This has happened throughout the course of history. There have been people who have used their authority to commit crimes. They have used their authority inappropriately. And because of that, there tends to be a decay within all civilizations. But in the meantime, before that happens, it's important to support these people. It's important to pay your taxes so that they have the 
resources that they need in order to do what they need to do. And that's what Paul was referring to in Romans chapter 13. Because they provide the infrastructure for the society, for the civilization, so that the people within that society can live. They can do things. They can contribute to the world that they are a part of. They can work and they can earn and they can save and they can get the things that they need in order to survive and in order to live in a healthy way. In Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Verse 8 was written right after he said, Pay taxes. To the people who are in government, they need those resources to accomplish the things that they need to accomplish. But in this case, he says, owe nothing to anyone. In other words, if you do not pay your taxes, if you don't contribute to the society that you are a part of, if you don't contribute to that, then you owe them in effect. You owe them in a certain way. You owe them for the safety and the security that you were able to enjoy. You owe them for the society that they oversaw. You owe them in the sense that they kept the murderers and the thieves under some reasonable degree of control. You owe them because they were there to be of service to you. They were available for you in the event that you needed them, even if you didn't. And so we pay our taxes in order to provide them with the resources that they need so that they can be of service or they can be available to be of service in the event that we need them for the things that we need in order to sustain civilization. And if you don't contribute, as everyone else is, then technically there is a form of debt. And he says, don't owe anybody anything. Don't owe anyone anything. Now, I believe that once I pay my taxes, I believe that I have fulfilled my obligation and I don't owe anybody anything. I really believe that. But I am very thankful for the contributions that people make in the public sector when they do things, when they are in positions of power and authority in order to ensure that civilization is functional. I'm very thankful for that. But I have a clear conscience concerning my contributions that I have provided so that these people will have the things that they need in order to accomplish the tasks that they have been given. And so it's very important to do that in any society that you're a part of. But I believe that he makes a transition here, that this is the end of the subject that he introduces between verses 1 and verse 7 concerning governments the authority that they have, the necessity for that, and the necessity for the resources so that they can fulfill their obligations to the society that they are overseeing. But then in verse 8, he does make a transition. He closes the subject that was initiated at the beginning of the chapter, and he introduces a new one, talking about how we might relate to one another. Because just as there are people in the public sector who are working in government, there's also people around us. And these people who are around us, who are not a part of the public sector, they work, they do things, they make contributions to the society that they're a part of. And we should look at each other in that way. We should look at each other in the context of recognizing the contributions that we are making to the society that we are all a part of. And in that sense, we should be looking at each other with some sense of respect with some sense of recognition, to acknowledge that everyone is participating. Everyone is participating 
with some exceptions, of course, but everyone in general is participating in this society in order to make it what it is as a whole. And that we should not relate to each other on the basis of debt, but we should relate to each other on the basis of recognition, of honor, of respect. Now, he talks about this in the context of debt, and so I'd like to talk about that for just a minute, this idea of debt, and that we should never, we should never put ourselves in a situation of being in debt, unless, of course, we absolutely have to, but that we should live our lives in the best way that we can to avoid owing anyone anything, to live our lives producing more than what we consume instead of consuming more than what we produce, hoping that eventually we will produce enough to be able to make up for the difference someday in the future that I believe that we should live within our means. That if we have, then we can use, and if we don't have, then we shouldn't use. We should wait until we find a way to get the things that we want to use legitimately and honorably, that we should work for those things, either work for them indirectly by obtaining the money to pay for them, or develop them ourselves. I really do believe that we should try to avoid debt in any way that we possibly can, in order to ensure that we have the maximum amount of freedom in our lives in order to fulfill our responsibilities to ourselves and also to be able to take care of those who depend on us. But in verse 8, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, he says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now, there's, of course, a lot to be said about fulfilling the law by loving others. There's a lot to be said about that. But when it comes to owing somebody something, that is something else. When you owe somebody something, when you owe someone a debt, and you are not paying that debt, then you are going to be in a form of slavery. You're not going to be able to have as much freedom as perhaps you need in order to fulfill your other obligations. When it comes to taxes, you need to make sure that that is taken care of well, otherwise there will be some significant restrictions placed on your life. That's just the way the civilizations have to operate. But when he says, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, in the sense of our interactions between ourselves and the people who are around us who are not a part of the governmental structure, then if we will respect others, if we will honor others, if we will recognize that they are members of the society that we are a part of, if we will do that, It doesn't mean that we have to pay taxes to people who are not part of the government. I don't believe that that's what he's saying at all. I believe that he's saying that the way that we relate to each other should always be in this way. And that if we do that, then we will be free. We will be free not only to be able to fulfill our own obligations, but we will also be free to love others. And there is a big difference between loving others because we have to and loving others because we are free to. There is a big difference between the two. And the love that can be expressed through freedom is definitely a unique love in comparison with the love that will be otherwise expressed in the form of bondage that you have to because of fear or obligation, that you don't want to be in that kind of a situation. But what I'd like to say in addition to that is that if you are going to live your life in such a way that you don't owe anyone anything because you freely give what is due to them. If you voluntarily give to others what is due to them because of who they are and what they do and the contributions that they make, 
If you voluntarily do that, then you can experience greater opportunities to be at peace and to be free. But in addition to that, during our lives, there is also another opportunity that we might have as we relate to other people, and that is to keep other people from being indebted to us. That this is another side of this that sometimes gets overlooked that I'd like to mention just briefly at least, and that is that the way that we relate to one another in the context of giving to others what is due should also be considered in the reverse, that we should always look for ways to keep people from being indebted to us. Not only should we not be indebted to others, but we should also do our best to keep others from being indebted to us. This is a very unique challenge for a lot of people because people function this way within the society that they're a part of. There are many people who have relationships with other people like this or they relate to other people in this way that they will do things for somebody. They will give something to someone else for the purpose of indebting that individual so that one day perhaps they might be able to call in that debt. They might be able to say something like, hey, listen, you know, I gave you this and I gave you that and I did this for you and I did that. And so you owe me. I expect something in return. Perhaps you will do something for someone when they are in a time of need. And you might expect that when you are in a similar time of need, that they need to do the same, that they owe you. You have to be careful with this. It's one thing to live your life making sure in the best way that you can that you don't really owe anybody anything so that you're free to live and love and relate to them without obligation. But it's another thing to relate to other people in the same way, providing them with the freedom and the opportunity so that they are not obligated to you. This is a very unique challenge to people who I've known in the past, have struggled with, and also people who I know today, that they do have a tendency to relate to people in that way. And you need to be careful of that. You need to be cautious of that and ensure that the way that you relate to people provides people with the freedom, the freedom so that they can love you in return with a true love, with a true sense of appreciation, not because they owe you, but because they want to. Those are two completely different things, and I think that that's what he's referring to here, where he says, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. I really do believe that he's referring to both people, to ensure that you don't owe anyone anything, and also ensure that people don't owe you anything either. That if you're going to do something for someone freely, then do that. If you're going to give something to someone freely, then do that. But don't expect something in return because you put them in a situation. You put them in a circumstance where they don't have the freedom to love you as you would like, as you would expect. But they are obligated to you. They're indebted to you. They are your servants now. And I honestly do not believe that our God wants us to relate to each other in that way. In verse 9, he says, For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. It is written that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, it says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This was not a new commandment that Jesus gave. It is an old commandment. It's one of many, but it is considered to be a summary, a pretty good summary of all the commandments. You know, I talk about the love of God a lot in many of the radio programs that I have produced, because, of course, to me, there really is nothing else but the love of God when we come right down to what is truly important. But what I want you to consider is that if you are loving your neighbor, I want you to consider this, that if you're loving them, you're certainly not going to be violating them. And so this is why I believe that our focus in life is not to be placed on how do we live in obedience? How do we keep from committing adultery? And how do we keep from murdering people? You know, I honestly, I honestly do not live by these commandments. I just, I just don't. I recognize them. I know them. I believe them. But I don't live this way. To me, they were given for other reasons, and I use them for those reasons. But when it comes to how I relate to my neighbors, how I relate to the people who are around me, the way that I relate to people who I interact with, I relate to them on the basis of the love that I have in my heart, not on the basis of the law that God gave me. He gave the law. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is, is that he created us to function in a very different way. He created us to function by receiving the love that he has for us, and then we love others with the love that he has given to us. That he fulfills the deepest needs of our hearts, and so that we are free to be able to relate to others with what he has given, not to relate to others with the hope of what we might be able to get out of them. And when we do relate to others with what our God has given to us, then of course, we are not going to be violating the law. And so there will be a fulfillment of the law. There will be a fulfillment of the commandment, of the expectations of the commandments of God. There will be a fulfillment of that, but not because of the commandment. The fulfillment of the law is not because the law was given and we are committed to it. We are devoted to it. We are going to do it. That is not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that if we will live in the new way of life that has been established by the new covenant, if we will be the recipients of the love of God, then he will do a work within our hearts so that we will relate to each other. We will relate to others in a very different way. We will actually love the people who we encounter. And when we do that, we will discover, as a side effect, that we are not violating them. In verse 11, this is Romans chapter 3, verse 11, he says, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Well, you're not going to do that if you are the recipient of the love of God. So if there is a struggle... 
if there is a struggle where people are dishonoring other people, if people are being disrespectful to other people, if people are not recognizing others for who they are and for their part and their contribution in the society that they are in, if people are committing murder against others, if they are committing adultery, if they are coveting, if they are carousing, if they are jealous, if this is how people are relating to others, then the solution has nothing to do with presenting the law to them and saying, look, this is wrong, this is bad, this is evil, you need to stop it, or somebody's going to punish you, or God is going to intervene. That's not the solution. The solution is not to tell people, listen, you got to be more loving. you got to do that. You don't approach people in the context of you must obey or in the context of you must love. If an individual is having struggles like these or like others that are similar, if a person is dealing with these things, then you have identified an individual who is not being loved by their God. That's the root issue. That's the key issue. You know, it can be easy to identify a sin that somebody is committing. It can be easy to focus on that. It can be easy to try to correct that or modify that or whatever. It can be really easy to approach an individual in the context of condemnation. But you know, when you are dealing with somebody or when you identify somebody, you're relating to somebody who is struggling in this way, what you really have is an individual who's not being loved by their God. The solution is not how do we get people to be more loving. The solution is how do we get people to be loved. That's the nature of the problem. The solution has to do with how do we get people to be loved by their God. How can we encourage people and direct people and appeal to people to be loved by their God in the way that he wants to love them? Because it's only then, it's only then that they will be free within themselves to be able to relate to people in another way. And this way has to do with giving to others what they have received from their God. You know, when it comes to debt, we owed God a debt that we could not pay. And that was resolved through his forgiveness. He forgave us of our sins, past, present, future, dealt with all sin, the entire sin of humanity. He has given freedom to us, telling us that we no longer owe him. We are no longer obligated to him so that we can love him freely. But where does this love come from? It only comes from the love that he gives to us. And the forgiveness that he has given to us is a small description of the love that he has shared with us. So when we receive his love for us, and we are at peace within our own hearts, we then have something to give to those who are around us. And it is then that we can love our neighbor And it is then that we will not violate our neighbor. And we will witness the power of God transforming us and those around us through the indwelling presence of his spirit as this takes place in a real way by a real God who is a real person who loves us in a way that no one else can that no one can ever come close to. He has reserved this role for himself, and he has reserved this love for himself. There will never be anyone else in existence who will do this within the heart of anyone.
But when he does, then you will witness this and you will see the manifestation of the invisible God within his people. And you will see a fulfillment of the law that he does as he lives his life within and through his people. But when? When do we turn to him so that we can be loved by our God? Go back up to verse 11. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The time is now. Now, salvation in the sense of the ultimate salvation when we leave this world and enter into the kingdom of heaven, I do believe that he's referring to that. But in addition to that, salvation is nearer to us in the sense that the reality of it, the fulfillment of it, the expression of the living God living within and through his people is here, is coming and will always come. He will always be with us. He will always be for us. And he will always love us in the way that he has described. Continuing into verse 12, it says, The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Now, I believe what he means when he says make no provision for the flesh is just simply don't provide the flesh with what it's demanding. Do not pursue the world, believing that the world will meet the deepest needs of your heart. Don't look to the world to provide for your heart for your spirit, what it needs, because only the living God can provide for you all that you need. Do not provide for your flesh. Do not make provision for your flesh. And what does it mean to say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is this some kind of visualization technique or something? No, it simply means turn to him for who he is and live in the acknowledgement of who he is and who he has made you to be. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net 